All right. Welcome, uh, everyone, to uh, our first Friday night uh, Bible study. We're glad to have you all, and uh, we're going to be uh, studying tonight uh, basics for Bible believers. And uh, we will uh, first start out, we'll be in Acts chapter 17, Acts chapter 17, and uh, we'll be in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, Acts chapter 17, verse 11. All right, so you may notice a different uh, setup here tonight, but we're trying something a little different to give you a little bit different flavor of things. And uh, as they say, uh, variety is the spice of life, so we'll keep you, keep you guessing here. Uh, all thanks to uh, uh, the behind-the-scenes work anyway, amen? All right, so if you got your Bible there, uh, Acts chapter 17 and uh, verse number 11. Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. And before we get there, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. Let's pray. All right, if you got your Bible there, we'll be in Acts chapter number 17, verse number 11. Very famous passage here and. Uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 11, and <clears throat> I just want to say from the very beginning, and, and I'll teach this as though, um, you know, say, what do you need to do this study? You need, a, you need a willing heart, a willing mind, and a King James Bible, amen? When I say Bible, when I say the book, I mean the Word of God, which is in truth the King James Bible, and if you're a new convert, uh, you know, I, just, uh, I don't apologize for that, and, and don't expect you to as well. Uh, we need the, the, the words of the living God, and we've got them, amen? And uh, you say, <clears throat> well, I'm not sure about that. Well, uh, I, say, I say try it out, test it out. But first and foremost, get you a King James Bible uh, as we go through there. You say, I don't have one. Well, get in touch with our church, info at openbible.com.au, and we'll get you one uh, to the best of our ability. Uh, we, we, we believe it's a shame for you to be without uh, a copy of God's Word. We want to get that to you and uh, just uh, write us and let us know. And uh, so back to Acts chapter 17. The Bible says here in Acts chapter 17 and verse number uh, 11, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that, you say, what made them more noble? That they received the Word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So I say to you, um, I say to you in this Bible study, don't uh, we see a few things in this in this text? The Bible says that they're more noble because they um, they received the word with all readiness of mind. Amen. They received it uh, with all readiness of mind. Uh, you say, are you ready to receive the word of God? Um, that that comes. Uh, that's a matter of your heart. Uh, the Bible talks about the the soil over there in one of the Gospels, and uh, I won't uh, reference back to it. I'll just mention it. Uh, but the Bible talks about that soil and that that ground being likened unto your heart. And there can be good ground and hard ground, and and uh, the good the the one that's sowed on good ground is soft and ready to receive the word of God, so that it can come up and bear fruit. And that's what we desire from you tonight, that you'll be able to receive the word with all readiness of mind and search the scriptures. You know, you can't search the scriptures unless you got them. Amen? Um, you, you, you'll be told by other people and, and out there in the world, and that's why I mentioned the King James Bible, uh, we've, got a, we've got the scriptures right there. Amen? We don't have to wonder where they are. 
uh, we can search the Scriptures. Wouldn't it be a blasphemous thing for God to say and for the Apostle Paul to say, search the Scriptures uh, when you couldn't get your hands on a copy where God hadn't inspired and preserved His Word and, and gave you the Scriptures? Boy, that'd be a rotten God, wouldn't it, uh, that, that would hide His Word from His people and not give it to them and leave them uh, without, uh, without something that they could go by? I'm glad that not only the Bible says when Jesus Christ went away, He wouldn't leave us comfortless. Uh, he's not left us without His Word and His testimony. Amen? And we've got it, and it's the Scriptures in the King James Bible. And the Bible says, And they searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. I say to you as well, starting out here, don't take my word for it. Don't say, oh, the preacher said, trust me. Do you know how many people have lived and died um, in their life? And they, they went through their entire life. And you say, what do they do? They say, well, they believe something that some preacher told them somewhere. They believe something that some priest told them somewhere. They took man's word for it. Well, Romans chapter 3 strictly forbids that. Romans chapter 3 says, let God be true and every man a liar. And so we put God's word, we put God's opinion and what God says above all else. Amen. As Bible believers. And the Bible says, and they search the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Amen. And if I say something that God says and I'm rehearsing and repeating what God says, take it to the bank. Amen. You can count on it. You can bank on it, as they say. And you can trust God. Uh, I'll fail you. I'll let you down. I'll give you the wrong scripture reference on accident. I'll, I'll point you in the wrong direction at times and, and not mean to, not, not meaning to, but uh, many a slip betwixt tongue and lip. And so you always have to be accountable to God and His Word and be always like the Thessalonians. The Bible says there um, they were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the Word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily. You've got to be in this Word consistently, daily. Uh, Jesus Christ said, uh, he told him about his, the prayer over there, and he said, give us this day our daily bread, our daily bread. Uh, you wouldn't go more than a day if you're normal than eating bread and, and going through life. Uh, well, the word of God is like the bread from heaven. It's like the sustenance that you need, and you need to read it to live. The Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God shall man live. And so if you're going to live as a Christian, you're going to grow as a Christian, you need to eat. And you need to grow on God's Word. Amen? And the Bible says that they search the Scriptures daily. You ought to read the Bible daily. You ought to pray daily. You ought to walk with the Lord daily. Whether those things were so. Uh, over in Thessal uh, Thessalonians, uh, the Bible said there that they were more noble than them. But um, in Thess uh, Thessalonians, I'll give you the reference here. I'll turn to it. I didn't have it in my notes, but I'm... Uh, I'm just going off the cuff here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21, the Bible says, Prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. And you say, you say, what does that mean? Well, the Bible even tells you to prove all things. Make sure that you prove uh, what God says. Uh, the Bible says in Acts chapter number 1, it says he showed himself alive, Jesus did, by many infallible proofs. Amen? That is a book full of proof. Amen? And even the heavens declare the glory of God and show His proof and show His handiwork. And so God doesn't, is not offended when you ask Him to prove Himself and to prove His Word. You, you ought to hold fast to that which is good. Prove all things. Amen? Prove this preacher. 
Prove that, 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 that one that's telling you this and that. You've got a grandma that's telling you something? Prove it by the Word of God. Prove if her words are right. Listen, grandma might be right with, with God and may be telling you the truth. But grandma could be just as equally wrong and, and be deceived and leading you astray. The Bible says the blind lead the blind. They both fall into the ditch. And you don't want to be there. You say, why? You don't have to be. God didn't leave you without a testimony. He gave you something you can go by. Say, so what are you getting at, preacher? Sum it up for us. I'm telling you that that book right there ought to be your friend, your guide, your final authority, and the proof that you need. Amen? That's the proof that you need. And so make sure that you lean and rely on God's Word. Amen. Now, continuing on, uh, we see as well uh, about this basic. I, I want to say to you the purpose of this uh, less, series of lessons is to prepare you, now that you've been saved, for Christian service. Uh, it's to teach you what the local church believes according to the Bible and why we believe it. Amen? And it's, I want to teach some of you the basics that will help you better serve uh, the Lord and help you to grow in Christ. And so we, need to, we, we will be going through the scriptures uh, verse by verse and, and turning there. And I'll try to go slow enough. Um, but if they're at the end of class, uh, this class, if there is something that you have a question about, I know how that works. If you wait till some un, un, um, unintended time in the future and you say, I'll ask then... You'll probably never ask. You may forget. So uh, at the end of class, if there's something that you would like to ask, then put it in the notes. I mean, the comments here. We'll try to answer that later and do that. Brother Josh, it's loud. Yeah, there you go. And so um, my, my, the, the material we're going to go through is for new Christians uh, mainly, but uh, there's, there's really a lot of good things in here. You say, um, what do you mean, preacher? Well, even if you're a mature Christian, an aged Christian, you can take this material, if you'll write it down and you'll uh, commit it to uh, memory and you'll do these things, then you can teach it to others. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, I believe it is, it says, The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I'm going to commit these things to you. Then you take this material and teach it to others as well. Amen. And so um, we're going to go through and, and look at some of these um, fundamentals that we see from the Word of God uh, and, and, and help you with it. But before we do, I want to just give you some things about doctrine and about study uh, and comment on them uh, before we even get started, sort of a, um, a, just like we did with Acts 17. And we'll look uh, at a few places here. 1 Peter chapter number 3 and verse 15. Turn there with me. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 15. 1 Peter. Now for some of you, um, you say, man, this turning uh, is, is difficult. Well, you're a new convert. You just got saved. Uh, you can get you a Bible, even a King James Bible. And you say, you can even go on Amazon. I've, I've found them on Amazon before, and I've helped some people in church. Uh, you say, I don't know where these are. Well, you can get what they call tabs, an index tab, and they'll, they'll show you in there. They're only a few dollars and you can lay those out in your Bible and it will show you. And you can go through there and find where you're looking for until uh, you can get used to it. And uh, I remember when I discovered those when I first got saved and I seen some people had them in their Bible. And I thought to myself, man, what a great, what a great idea. 
But as I went on for the Lord, then I, I re- you know, and became acquainted with the scriptures, I didn't need them anymore. And so, uh, you know, when you're a child, uh, you say, what do you do? You start to ride that bike, there's training wheels on it. And there's no shame in that, amen? There's no shame in having a bit of help uh, and, and getting some help to learn those scriptures. And so don't get frustrated if you, uh, you can't find them straight away. It'll come in time. Just be patient with yourself. 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 15. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Now, that word sanctify is to, be, is to set apart. Uh, it, it's, a, it's connected to holiness, uh, sanctity. Uh, it's, a, it's a place of honor. Uh, just to give you some definition a little bit, you can look that word up and do that. But the Bible says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. You know, one of the greatest things you can do as a new believer and as a new Christian, and even if you're an old believer, one of the things you can do in your life is you need to sanctify the Lord God. You need to set Him apart in your life, and you say, where? Put Him first in everything. Consult Him first in whatever decision you make. Uh, you need to consult Him in where, you go, where you're going to attend church. You need to consult Him on what Bible that you need to read and study, which will tell you that's a King James Bible, but you need to study that out and see it for yourself. You start studying the NIV, the RSV, and all these other perversions, then you say, what do you find? There's thousands of verses that have been altered and changed and are missing. And, and, and you, you don't want that as a Christian, amen? You want the whole counsel of God. You want the whole Word of God. And none of those perversions out there. And we'll talk about that more later on. Uh, but here in verse 15, the Bible says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You say, so what does that tell us? Uh, um, what does that tell us as a believer? Well, the Bible says to be ready always, to be ready always. And if you're going to be ready, um, you're going to have to study. You're going to have to study. You're going to have to be ready. Um, The Bible says over there about the the bride of Christ, the the Lord's coming, the bride hath made herself ready. She has made herself ready. And that means you've got to do some preparation. Because when you tell your family members, your son, your daughter, your uh, brother, your sister, your mother, your father, whoever in your family, that you have now put your faith and trust in Christ. Maybe you've turned away from the religion that you've been brought up in. Maybe you've gone away from that and somebody says to you, oh, don't you owe um, the, the church that you were raised, don't you owe them this, don't you owe them that? And you can then take the Word of God and show them how you trusted Christ and how you believed. And they then you can, you can show them that so that they can see Christ in you, so that they can see that you're not just making this decision on a whim or based on the testimony of someone else or the thoughts of someone else, but you're basing it on the Word of God. The Bible says that you're ready to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So many Christians today, the cat's got their tongue. Even after you first got saved. If you've ever read the story over there about the maniac of Gadara, that it was full of devils, and the Lord Jesus Christ cast out those devils. He was often in the tombs. He was cutting himself, and uh, he couldn't be tamed. And when the Lord came to shore, the Lord Jesus Christ, he cast out those devils. And that man was then found sitting and clothed and in his right mind. 
And he wanted to follow Jesus with all of his heart. He wanted to go be with the Lord. And he said, I'm going to go be with you. And the Lord Jesus told him, he said, no, you stay at home and you go and tell what great things the Lord hath done for thee. And you remember the woman at the well? She came, that Samaritan woman, and she went back into Samaria after the Lord gave her a drink of that living water. Amen. She went back into Samaria and she said, come see a man that told me all that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? You say, she didn't know a lot of Bible, and the man that was, uh, he wasn't in theological uh, seminary school and didn't know a lot. You say, what did he know? He knew, and she knew, what Jesus meant to them and what he did for them. And you need the scriptures. You can know in your heart, but you need some scriptures to back that up. Be ready to give an answer. Uh, Always give an answer to every man that asketh you, because you say, what's going to happen? People are going to ask you, what's different about you? What's changed? Uh, why are you so happy? Why are you uh, going to church now on Sunday? And why is your life changed? And it should change, amen? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And uh, they're going to ask you a, a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And so you go in there and you don't have to be loud and obnoxious. You go in with meekness and you tell them what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you. Amen? All right. Continuing on. Let's look at our next verse here. 2 Timothy. Very important verse. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. I won't try to, I'll try my best not to overwhelm you with scriptures. But if you turn to your left from Peter... And come back, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. One of the most important verses in all of the Bible uh, is found right there after salvation. And you say, why is that? Because it tells you that you need to study. And you need to study. And you say, what study? Uh, Why do you study? To show yourself approved unto God. To show yourself approved unto God. And it considered, the Bible says, it's work. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. You know, you say, why is that mentioned in the passage? Well, the Lord says when he comes, uh, he's going to find some and they're going to be ashamed. They're going to be ashamed. Wouldn't it be a shame to get before the Lord Jesus Christ one day and some of you have been saved for a while and you haven't read your Bible and you haven't uh, completed your Bible yet, but you're working on it. But can you imagine being saved for, say, 20, 30 years and God calls you home to heaven and you stand before the judgment seat of Christ having never read your Bible one time, having never studied uh, diligently the Scriptures uh, to apply them in your heart and life, learning how to rightly divide them and apply them. And you say, you say, if you don't, then the Bible says, if you don't, you're going to be ashamed one day. You're going to be ashamed at His coming. If the, the Lord comes in the rapture, when the Lord comes in the rapture, you say, what's going to happen? You're going to be ashamed that you didn't um, study His Word. And the Bible says there, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I can give you this testimony for myself personally. I was saved for several years before... And I read through the Bible and I went through the New Testament more than the Old Testament. But I went through it from cover to cover. And I can tell you, things just did not add up. I didn't have someone to teach me, to guide me in the Scriptures. Uh, As the Bible says over about the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip, uh, the, the Ethiopian eunuch said, How can I? He said, How can I understand except some man should guide me? 
And I had no guide to show me how, what rightly dividing meant and how to divide the scriptures. So things didn't make sense and they didn't add up to me. But thanks be to God, I got in a Bible-believing church and I got a Bible-believing teacher that showed me how to put the Bible uh, according to its right division. I'm not talking about wrong division. The Bible says rightly dividing the word of truth. And so you have to put the, the Bible, you have to understand when you read a book, uh, it has divisions, it has chapters, it has uh, a theme, it has different things in there. And you have to understand uh, who God's talking to and at what time and according to what uh, division he makes. And let God make the division. And we'll see in the scriptures later how he does that. Uh, but continuing on, look at Isaiah chapter number 28. These are just some general uh, introduction scriptures to give you an idea uh, how we're going to study the Bible. Isaiah chapter number 28. Give you a moment to get there as I turn there as well. Isaiah chapter number 28. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible here as well. Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 9. It starts out and it asks a question here. And the question uh, is a good question. Amen. And the Bible says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 9. That's in your Old Testament there. Give you a moment to find that. Isaiah 28 and verse 9. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and are drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. And so I say to you, as you begin to study the Bible, if you were like me when I first got saved, I wanted to understand it all in a moment of time. I wanted to just open my brain up, you know, and have the Lord dump it all in. But that's not the way it works. Uh, the way the, the Bible says He's going to teach you knowledge uh, is going to be precept upon precept. You're going to learn some things. When you build a house, you say, what do you do? You put one brick or one, uh, one cut of wood on top of another piece of timber and you stack it upon uh, one another. Precept upon precept, line upon line. You see, when you read your Bible, it's line upon line, line upon line. Reading it, reading it, committing it to memory, putting it in your heart. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Take your time, be patient with yourself. Uh, I, I took piano as an adult for over two years. And the teacher that taught me uh, was actually Dr. Kent Hoven's wife, um, Miss, uh, Mrs. Hoven. And she taught me uh, piano for two years. And she said, Jason, I'm just going to tell you up front, I'm going to reluctantly, uh, reluctantly take you as a student. And she said, I'll tell you why. She said, adults are not patient with themselves. She said, I love teaching children. But uh, t she said it's because children can come back week in or day in and day out and they can learn the little steps and the little things and they can grow and put, put things together. And before you know it, they become great pianists, but they don't get frustrated with themselves. They don't get impatient with themselves. Isn't that a beautiful trait of a child? But us adults, it's a different story. And so for two years, I struggled and I fought and I tried my best. And you know, she was spot on. She was right. I did get, become frustrated. I did become impatient. I wanted to learn. I wanted to put those things. And t today, I couldn't sit down and barely pick out Mary had a little lamb. 
uh, on the piano. And you say, why is that? I just wanted too much too soon. I wanted to learn. I wanted to be a concert pianist overnight. But it takes work and it takes time and patience. And the Bible says it's line upon line, precept upon precept. So it's going to take some patience. It's going to take some time. And you're going to have to study the Word of God and be patient with yourself. And uh, don't get discouraged as you go. Let God put these truths in as they come. Amen? Let God put them in as they come. Continuing on in, uh, in our reading, uh, let's look next at Hebrews chapter number 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Back in your New Testament again. Hebrews chapter 5. I heard the other day... Uh, that um, if you're husband and wife at home, you know, it's a biblical home if the husband makes the coffee. And you say, why is that? Well, the Bible says he brews. So uh, <laughs> you gotta, you got to uh, you gotta make that coffee, man. Amen for your wife and uh, serve her that coffee because the Bible says he brews the coffee. You've got to get up early and make her that coffee. Amen. All right. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 12. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, For the word of God is quick. Now, I'll just simply explain that to you. You take your fingernail and you cut that fingernail down too short, and underneath is what they call the quick. You say, why? That nail is dead. It's dead skin cells. But you, you cut down too far, and it, it's alive, and it hurts. Say, why? Because it's alive. That quick means it's alive. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the word of God is alive. As you study God's word, uh, you'll be amazed as you read it and it comes alive to you. You say, why? Because it is alive. Um, it's not like any other book uh, that you will hold in your hands. That's a holy Bible. And as you read and as you study God's Word, you will see that it is alive. It's alive. And um, uh, the Bible goes on to say it's quick, it's alive, it's quick and powerful. And it's powerful. You say, what do you mean by it's powerful, preacher? Well, according to the Bible, it's powerful. It's got power in God's Word. It's got power. And you, as a Christian, you will experience its power as you claim the promises. And as you read, you will see your life begin to transform. You put the Word of God in, and the dirt comes out. It's a cleansing agent. The Bible says it's by the washing of the water of the Word. It's a cleansing agent. It'll cleanse your heart and mind. Um, I've told the story before, and I'll tell it here again. But uh, there was a little boy... That his mother, they lived uh, without indoor plumbing, and his mother told him and said, Son, I need you to go down to the creek and take this pot and uh, wash it out, in the, wash this basin up, wash it out in the creek. And it was a fair jaunt to get down there, and he had to walk a, a good ways. And he got down to the creek, and he, you know, just a young lad, and he dipped that in the water, and the water ran through it. Uh, that ran, ran into the pot, and, and before he would take four or five steps, all the water had leaked out. And after he tried that ten times, he said, Man, this thing's broken. Something's not right. Just a young lad went running to his mother in despair, saying, Mom, I don't know what's wrong, but this won't hold any water. It's just, it's just frustrating. What's wrong? 
And uh, she brought it to him and, and ter- come to find out it was a colander, it was a sieve. That She said, that's okay, son, you did exactly what I wanted you to do. And you say, what was that? It was to clean that, that uh, cooking utensil out for the water to run through it and to clean it, clean it out. And uh, you say, the Bible says, by the washing of the water of the word, your brain is like a sieve. Uh, your brain, and uh, some people often joke and say, oh, one, something goes in this one ear and goes out the other. Well, that's the way our brain is. And you say, what does that mean? You put the word of God in and the dirt will come out. That little boy ran that sieve and ran that through the water and the dirt that was on it, the the bits of food that was left over and the things that defiled it, it went through and ran out. The washing of the water of the word. Amen? And that's what it's like, the word of God. It's quick and it's powerful. It's powerful to clean you out and to, 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 to change you. Amen? And sharper than any two-edged sword. You'll find at times... That it, is, that it will cut you. It will cut you. This Bible will cut you. You'll read things that will go against your nature, that will go against yourself, and it will cut and it will stab. That word sermon in the Latin means to stab or thrust. It's a sword. That Bible is a sword, and it means to stab or thrust. It will cut you. It will cut you. And uh, you say, for what? To get the dirt out. To get the dirt out. And it's a two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It can read you. Uh, One man said, I think sometimes I'm reading the Bible, but the Bible is reading me. There's been many times I went to the Bible with my plans and my ideas and my thoughts, and I went to it and God corrected me from His Word. It was almost like He could read my thoughts and my intentions of what I planned on doing. You say, why? Because it in fact can. You say, oh, you believe that, preacher? I don't only believe it. I know it to be true. I've lived it. I've seen it. I've sensed it. I've experienced it. Amen? But the Bible says as a discerner, it's able to judge you of the thoughts and intents of the heart. All right, moving on. Look at uh, 2 Timothy. Back to your left to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, talking about the Bible and Bible study. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. There's that stabbing. Uh, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Lord wants you to be a, a vessel, and he wants, it to be, he wants to use you. And the Bible says there He wants to perfect you, that you can be perfected. And the Bible says that's done through the Scriptures. And that's why we read the Scriptures. That's why we live by the Scriptures. That right there, folks, is our final authority as Bible-believing Christians. Amen? That is our final authority in all matters of faith and practice. What we believe by faith and what we practice in our everyday lives. How you treat your wife, how you treat your children, how you behave at your work, and how you uh, pay your bills. All of those things is how you practice your life. We, we believe the Bible is our final authority in all matters of faith and practice. Amen? We don't just say that. We actually believe it. Ephesians chapter 4. All right. Turn in your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 4. Turn in your, in your Bible to the left from Timothy to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. 
Ephesians chapter 4. And look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, talking about the gifts that he gave, and some pastors and teachers. And uh, some people get um, this idea. They read another scripture. And the Bible does say the Holy, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, will lead and guide you into all truth. And it is a teacher. It is. That's true. But that doesn't negate or discount the fact that God gave pastors and teachers for your benefit and for your help. And so, but like I said before, let God be true and every man a liar. Let Make sure that, they, that you search the scriptures like Acts 17.11 says, whether those things are so. And so if I tell you something, check it out with the Bible to make sure it's so. Don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. But don't negate, don't discount the fact that you need a pastor and you need a teacher. That's what God set up in the local church. The Bible says, you say, why did God give you some pastors and teachers? Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. You need to be perfected. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Do you notice in all these verses we have went through, the Bible mentions doctrine, 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 doctrine. It's the teaching of the Word of God, but it's more than that, really. The first two letters of that doctrine is D-O. You say, what does doctrine do? Doctrine determines what you do. Or your doctrine's no good. Your doctrine says what you do. You read it in the Bible, but the Bible says uh, that, that uh, be doers of the Word and not hearers only. You say, what's your doctrine? Your doctrine's no good unless you do something with it. Amen. The, be, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. You say, so what is this to protect you against? Those pastors and teachers that are true Bible-believing, Bible-honoring, um, uh, God-fearing preachers and teachers. You say, what are they supposed to do? They're to equip you for the work of the ministry, for, the edif for your edification, and they, def they, they defend you and they help you to defend against the slight of men, cunning craftiness, and deception, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Do you know the whole world is full of deceivers? The Bible says, and many deceivers have gone out into the world. And so that's why you need a, a help from a pastor and teacher, especially when you're young in the Lord, especially when you're a child or when you're a babe in Christ. You need a pastor and a teacher to hold your hand, to lead you and guide you through the Scriptures. And be, and be you say, what happens? A pastor or teacher teaches you something, a true pastor and teacher. And you say, what happens? The Holy Spirit of God testifies to your heart and to the Word of God and says to you, that man is telling you the truth. That lady that's helping you and maybe you're doing a lady's Bible study with another lady and you say, that lady is telling me the truth if you're a lady and she's teaching me right and that is the truth. That's, that's God's hand. That is 
that is the Lord. And that's what the Holy Ghost will do. The Holy, the, the Holy Ghost will lead and guide into all truth. And it will testify. It will testify of God's words and say, they're telling you the truth. And you say, what's the proper expression when that happens? You say, Amen. When the Holy Ghost of God and when the Spirit of God says to you, Amen, that's right, it causes you within yourself to say, Amen. And sometimes that becomes audible. Some people don't say that out loud. They say it within their heart and they say, Amen. Amen. And you, uh, you, you agree with the Spirit of God. And in verse 15, the Bible says there in Ephesians 4.15, But speaking the truth in love may grow up. You know what you need to learn to do as a Christian? And you're a, you're a newborn babe, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. It says that you may grow up into him, into Christ, in all things which is the head, even Christ. So your um, main focus and goal is to become more like Christ as you grow. He's our example, Amen. Uh, he's the one that we, uh, you know, it's like a little child. I've seen my boys. I've got, uh, I've got three. And my boys, they come to an age and where they all step in dad's shoes and the big boots and it swallows them up. And they walk all over the house and they think that they're, uh, they're big stuff, you know. And they're, I'm like dad. I want to be like daddy. And you say, what are you supposed to do? There, that's the way you're supposed to be with Christ. You follow in His footsteps. You, you grow up into Christ. He's our example. He's the one that we look to and try to be like. Amen? And the Bible says, which is the head, even Christ. Okay, so we're going to be, begin our study tonight. That's just some, by, some things by way of introduction. We're going to begin our study by looking, and I'm going to teach you like my, my pastor taught me, these same things. And we're going to look at some truths here that will um, be of interest to you and help you. The first thing I want to mention to you is being born again. So the first thing is born again. Uh, look at Romans chapter 3. Before we look at some things there, look at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And... Um, Verse number 23, Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. The Word of God teaches us that a man is a sinner. Amen. You say, I know this is, this is uh, just the, the, the basics. Amen. We're not going too deep here. We just want to teach you some things. But um, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 uh, that man is a sinner. For all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. All of us. Amen. All have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. Man is depraved. Look across the page at Romans 3 and verse 10. The Bible says, As it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Then it begins to talk about our, our bodies and the way that we behave. Their throat is an open sepulcher. You say, what's that? That's an open grave. You, 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 you ever been around and smelt a, a dead, rotting animal? Uh, well, uh, they tell me I've never smelled it, but a, a rotting human that, that, that has passed away and that, that flesh is rotting, that's something that really stinks. Amen? Their throat is an open sepulcher. That's some, some major halitosis there. Amen. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps, that's a snake, is under their lips. Poisonous. 
whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's describing a lost man. That's describing uh, everyone in the world that's not been born again. So as, as, it, as it goes here, the lost man, his throat, his tongue, his lips, his mouth, his feet, his ways and eyes are all evil. And that includes a wicked heart. Uh, look at, um, well, we won't turn there. Um, I'll, just, I'll, I'll let you write the verse down, which is Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. And the Bible says that the heart of man is uh, deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so that's a lost man. That's a lost man's heart. Amen. That's a lost man's heart. And uh, that's, that's in, in man's natural condition. And when they're lost, that, that's the way they are. And you say man in his natural condition would spend eternity in a devil's hell burning forever. Look at Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. Romans 6 and verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you say, what does that mean? The wages of sin is death. Now, um, we'll get there in just a moment. I'll, I'll turn you over there, but keep that in mind. The wages of sin is death. And a man that's a sinner, you say, what's he going to do? He's going to die one day. You say, well, all men die. Uh, yeah, but um, that death there is not just a physical death. That's an that's a eternal death as well, which we uh, can read about. We'll get there in just a moment. But look at Luke chapter number 16. The Bible teaches, and we believe, in Luke chapter 16, which goes against many denominational beliefs, because they change the Word of God. But in Luke chapter number 16, the Bible teaches that there is a literal burning hell. And a lost man that's never been born again, you say, where is he going to go at death? Well, the Bible teaches us and shows us where he goes. And that's to a place called hell. Now, hell was not prepared for man. But the Bible says, Jesus said, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. But man, if he goes the way of the devil and chooses the devil, then he will go the way of the devil. Uh, if you choose the way of Jesus Christ, you, get to go, you, you go to heaven. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He said, I'm the door. Amen. And uh, Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. Notice the first few words here. Now, is Jesus Christ a liar? Of course, you know the answer if you know me, and that's a no, he's not. He's, he is the truth, the way, the truth, uh, the life. Amen? And it says here in Luke chapter 16 and verse 19, There was a certain rich man. So before somebody comes along, and they will, they'll knock on your door, and somebody will come along and tell you, some, one of these you know, um, uh, so-called Christians that's been enlightened, They'll tell you, oh, well, that's old teaching. That's, that's that old fire and brimstone. That's that old hell doctrine. Do you know who preached on hell in the Bible more than anybody else? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ preached on hell more than any other preacher in the New Testament. That ought to tell you, really, in all the Bible, he preached on hell the most. 
Say why? He did not want sinners to go there. The Bible says the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so the Bible says, Jesus speaking, there was a certain rich man. So if there was a certain rich man, there was a certain rich man. You say, oh, this is very deep, preacher. No, believe what you read. Don't, talk, don't let somebody talk you out of what the Bible says plainly. You know what some people will say? Oh, this is a parable. The Bible doesn't say that it's a parable. The Bible doesn't tell you this is a parable. The Bible says there was a certain rich man. And more importantly, Jesus tells you there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in where? Hell. He lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. And now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between you, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. You say, so what is hell? Hell is a place of torment. The Bible says in verse 24 there, I mean verse 23, that he's being in torments. The Bible says in verse 24, He wanted mercy, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented. Three times it's mentioned there. Tormented in this flame. A real flame. A real fire. A real burning hell. Amen? Isn't it funny that men say they don't believe in hell, but they believe in the criminal justice system? You say, what do they do? They convict a man of murder or some heinous crime, and, and you say, what do they do? They separate that one from eternity. They separate that one from society. They separate him. They separate the, the baddies, if you will, the crims, and they put them away, and they separate them from society. Isn't that something? People say, oh, I don't believe in, I don't believe in that. Well, of course they do. They might not admit to it, and they might not say why, because they don't want to admit to the fact that they're going to go to that place called hell. And so they don't want to, they don't want to admit to that and give way to that. Um, but the Bible says that there's a place called hell, amen? And what, isn't it something that people say they don't believe in hell, but they believe in heaven? They say they don't believe in hell, but they believe in heaven. Listen, you can't have one without the other. Uh, you can't have one without the other. And if God allowed every single sinner and everybody that come by into to heaven, the first sinner that he let in, the first um, unrepentant, unforgiven uh, unchanged sinner that he allowed into heaven, it would corrupt the whole place and it would never be right again. You say, that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is a just God. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right, the Bible says. Amen.
And so turn over to Revelation chapter 20. We'll see it even further. Revelation chapter 20. Say, why do you, are you supposed to get born again? Why do you need to get saved? Because there's a place called hell. And death is coming. Death is coming. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11, And I saw, I'll give you a moment to get there, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. You say, what's, what's God recording? God's recording everything. The Bible says, Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. And every, every idle word, every bad deed, every bad thought is going to be written, is written down in those books. And it's, it is a testimony. It's evidence that's going to be pleaded at this trial that you deserve a devil's hell. And you say, why do you need to be born again? To escape. To escape these things. Amen. Verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Remember we talked about in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. You know you work to receive that wage and... Uh, you'd stop working at the place if you didn't get paid. You wouldn't like that. You expect after a few weeks, a, uh, a month, you get your salary, you get paid after you put those long, hard hours in, you get your wage. Guess what? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. You work and you sin and you sow that sin. The Bible says of the flesh you're going to reap corruption and you're going to die one day. But the Bible even says that there's a further death, not only a physical death, but a spiritual death. Verse 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Verse 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Boy, oh boy. No, don't want to go there, amen. The Bible says there, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Thanks be to God, the moment that you got saved and trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, your name was written down in indelible ink by the, by the angel of God, and he put down your name in the Lamb's book of life. And all of heaven rejoiced, according to the Bible. And that name can never be erased, never be taken out. And we thank the Lord for that. Amen. And so, in God's mercy... Due to man's helpless and hopeless condition, God sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. To endure our pain. Amen. To buy our pardon and experience our penalty. Back to Romans chapter 5. Talking about the need to be born again or just mentioning born again and what that means. It's not as the um, false teachers would have you to believe. And you say, what's that? The, the born-againers, uh, where they begin to speak gibberish and fall down on the floor and bark like a dog and lose control of their faculties. That's not being born again. You don't find that recorded in the Scriptures anywhere. That's false doctrine and false teaching. Uh, when someone gets truly born again by the Spirit of God, uh, no, no such nonsense takes place. 
Um, that's, a, that's a falsehood that's being promoted in the world. Being born again is being saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a new birth. Amen? It's a new birth. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. You say, what did God do? What did Jesus Christ do? In Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? He died for you. And he died for me. That's what he did. Amen. He bought our pardon. He experienced our penalty. John chapter 3 and verse 16. John chapter 3 and verse 16. To your left. John chapter 3. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter 3 and verse 16. We'll start to wrap it up here as we've, we come to a close. We've got a few more minutes and we'll get a few more verses in and you can make your notes. John chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so the Bible tells us the reason that God sent Jesus Christ into the world and why He gave us um, His Son so that we might have, so that we would not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen? Look at 2 Corinthians. I mentioned it earlier, but we'll look there again. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I mentioned at the beginning of the Bible study that um, I know I'll, I'll be going a little bit fast here, but some of you are new. Uh, if you have any questions, anything that's troubling you or Maybe you've just been saved. You know what happens, what, what, what the norm is when you get saved? And maybe you've been saved for a little while. I know Brother Damien had the same testimony. Uh, he, he got saved, within, I think it was the next day or within the next few days. Guess who rocked up and, uh, and knocked on his door? The Jehovah's Witnesses. It never fails. Some cult, some uh, uh, devil-led uh, uh, cult or ism will show up and try to uh, pervert that new convert and get them off track. Because if the devil can't have you as his, his uh, child, he will try to make you shipwreck for the, the rest of your life and ruin you for God. And uh, so you may have been questioned in your faith straight away. And so we can address some of those if you've had questions or doubts or thoughts about things. We can look at that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number... 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. The Bible says, For he hath made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. You say that's what Jesus Christ did. He became our sin sacrifice. He became, John the Baptist saw him as he came over the hill and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He became our sacrifice, our sin sacrifice, the Lamb of God. Look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 18. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 18. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 18. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 18. I'm sorry, I said 2.18, it's 3.18. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. I put down a 2 instead of a 3 there. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. The Bible says, For Christ also, one of my favorite verses for witnessing, 
For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Amen. You say, so what did he become? He became, the Bible says he was the just, and he was offered for the unjust. That's us. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. And, it's, and, and you say, how can we and why should we be born again? It's because of what Jesus Christ did at Calvary. That's why we can be born again. Amen? And uh, don't let someone deceive you into thinking that you can be born again automatically. Some people think that I'm born a Christian. I was born a Christian. I was reared a Christian. You may have been reared a Christian, but you were never born a Christian. You might have been born into a Christian home. That You say, why? Your first birth is no good. Amen? That's why the Bible says you must be born again. You must be born again. You're in 1 Peter there. Look at 2 Peter uh, chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. I quoted it earlier, but I'll, we'll read it here together. 2 Peter. You're in 1 Peter. Turn over to your right to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen? That we should come to repentance. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, He's chosen to leave our eternal destiny in our hands. He, didn't, he, he doesn't twist you against his, your will and make you choose Him. It's your, it's your will. It's your choice. He offers you and He offered me the free gift of eternal life. And that's up to each individual to receive it. And we'll talk about that next time uh, on the subject. But we'll go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 12. The Bible says, But to as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Alright, we'll stop right there with the, 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 the Bible study. And we'll take any questions that you might have.